Ron Swoboda, outfielder for the Mets. And Ron now joins us. Ron, thank you for doing this. Um, And I'll ask you the same thing because I've been thinking this myself. I cannot believe it's been 50 years since this happened. How many times does that go through your head that all this time has passed by since that great season? Yeah, 50 years, um, when you live it, you know, it's not like the years are, are, are cord wood, you know, and you can stack them under a shed somewhere and look at all of the years, you know. You can't do that. It just goes by, and you try to you try to look back on it, and you realize your life's been full of all of these things. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that at the age of almost 75, I'm delighted to be able to experience this. Um, let's go back to that season, Ron, because before that, I think in 68, the Mets had actually finished a gaudy ninth. And I don't think anybody, even the most ardent Met fan, thought 69 would happen. But Gil Hodges became, the Mets actually traded to get Gil Hodges. Yeah, we traded a pitcher, Bill Dennehy, to the Senators to get Hodges. How instrumental, Ron, was he in changing the culture of the Mets? You know, uh, somebody asked me that question. It might have been my wife. Uh, Would this have happened without Gil Hodges? Um, And I think it is, uh, I I think it's an interesting question. Uh, Probably the real answer is, I don't know. Uh, But but here's what I know. We won 73 ball games in Gil's first year in 1968 lost a lot of one-run games. And in Gil's mind, if we played better in one-run games, um, he told the writers in spring training in 1969 that this team could win 85 games. And I remember standing there with Ed Cranepole going, us? (laughs) Is he talking (laughs) about us? (laughs) Uh, You know, because 85 games is over 500. And and we were, you know, bubbling along at around 500 uh, in uh, late May, early June, when we reeled off 11 straight wins against the California teams. It started in Chase Stadium and finished up on the coast against those California teams. We won 11 straight, and that, I think, opened everybody's eyes. Uh, including our general manager, Johnny Murphy, who at that point in time knew there was a deal out there for Don Clendenin, who was uh, picked up by the Montreal Expos in the expansion draft that year from the Pirates. They were looking to trade Clendenin to Houston. He wasn't going there and, and, and refused the deal and said he'd go home and, and continue his education to become a lawyer and practice law and so long baseball. They said, hey, hang in there. We'll find something for you. Get in shape, play in Montreal. And then in, uh, in the middle of June, that deal came about after, after we won 11 straight. And Clendenin came in, and in my humble opinion, was, was the missing piece. You know, he was the, he was the element that we really needed, a, a, a big power-hitting first baseman who could hit home runs and platoon with Ed Cranepool at first base. You know, a lot is made of the Mets pitching staff, and rightfully so. Tom Seaver, Jerry Kuzman, Gary Gentry. Some people forget a very young Nolan Ryan was on that pitching staff. 
When you looked at him, Ron, could you see potential? He was so raw. What did you see in Nolan Ryan in 69? Oh, yeah, a guy with uh, as much arm as you could want. And when he had a good feel for his curveball, it was a big one. It was a big, nasty curveball when he had when he had a good feel for it. And, and you know, the only thing, he was young, and, and, and most people forget this, but when I was writing the book, um, uh, I, I talked to Nolan, and, and, and he reminded me that he had an awful lot of uh, uh, absent, absences that summer because he was, in a, he was in a special Army Reserve unit in Texas. So he was in and out of the picture a lot. So he didn't pitch as much that year as he could have because he was constant, you know, monthly meetings, and it was uh, it was more than the average uh, because he was in a special reserve unit. So you saw when you saw him a guy with a great arm, and 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 the only the only negative for Nolan, and I think it when they traded him the next year after the next season, was that Nolan was a high fastball pitcher in a low ball league then. And and I think that didn't help, but he was a great arm and and uh, you know he was as long as he stayed healthy he had a job in the big leagues. When you guys uh, win the East, it was the first year of divisional play. You had to play the winner of the West, and that those were the Atlanta Braves. How novel was that? Because that was the first time anybody had done that. What what kind of a feeling was that? playing in that first divisional series well actually um i didn't play in it um we were strictly platoon they had very little left-handed pitching and our left-handed platoon faced the braves in in that very first um uh, na- a national league playoff series so i had a good seat though <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, 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 when I talk about this, um, you you have to go back to spring training and and remember there was big talk between the Mets and and the uh, Atlanta Braves uh, over Joe Torre. The Braves were looking to move Joe Torre, a legitimate power hitting infielder catcher. You know, he could play third base. He could catch. Um, you know. They wanted to move him, and they wanted to get into our good young pitching. They wanted Gary Gentry, Nolan Ryan, you know, names like that, um, uh, that the Mets were not anxious to get rid of. And so the Mets walk away from that trade. Atlanta trades Joe Torre straight up with the Cardinals for Orlando Cepeda. They don't get the pitching they were looking for. And in that best three out of five playoff series, our left-handed platoon out-hits, out-produces offensively uh, a lineup of Henry Aaron, Rico Cardi, and Orlando Cepeda for the Braves. Uh, I think there's a connection between the deal the Mets don't do, the deal that the Braves don't get, and and us uh, uh, out-producing them offensively in the playoffs and sweeping them three straight. Our guest here on Sports Scene, Ron Swoboda, a member of the 1969 New York Mets World Champions. They're going to have a 50-year reunion uh, later on in the month. 
Ron, let's go to the World Series. You play a really good team in Baltimore with the Robinsons and Boog Powell and Palmer and McNally, et cetera. How surreal was it? I mean, you're, you're in the outfield. You make one of the greatest catches in World Series history. So does A.G. What were your feelings when you were out there and you knew you and your guys were in the World Series? Yeah, that's, that's pretty uplifting. I tried to write about that in my book, uh, Here's the Catch, okay, because everything about my look back of my career uh, is, is really, uh, you know, around that, that play I was able to make. You know, don't forget, Tommy Agee made two great plays in game two, I think it was, um, or game three, where, where he saved five runs uh, with two outs. You know, he made those catches with two outs and five guys on base. So his play was, his two plays were incredible. We caught everything in that World Series after I let Don Buford's home run get over the wall in uh, game one, the very first hitter in game one at Memorial Stadium. I felt like I was so nervous and stiff and never connected with that fly ball. I let a ball get out of the ballpark that it should not have happened. And, um, and, and you know, Eddie Cranepool, when I was, yelping in the dugouts said yeah, shut up and catch the the rest of them or the next one. you know new york uh, bedside manner oh shoot the f up and get the next one you know so 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 we did we caught everything and you know i i, I quote the poet browning about you know your your reach should exceed your grasp or what is a heaven for um in making that play and uh I borrow a, a, a track from uh, Don DeLillo in, in uh, Underworld uh, about Cotter Martin, a kid who is uh, defined by his running stride, who leaps over the turnstile in, uh, in the um, uh, polo grounds uh, for, for that game in 1951 when Bobby Thompson hit the home run. Uh, that beat uh, of the the Giants, and they beat the Dodgers in a, a best two out of three playoff for the National League. And people who are old enough in in Brooklyn have not forgotten that, yet, <laughs> you know. But Cotter Martin, in the way you're defined by your running stride, and how in just a couple of strides he arrives at um, you know a grace, you know that um, you know I. I am not defined as a graceful outfielder, but in the running strides to get to that ball, um, I reach, you know, what the Lillo calls a certain eloquence, and 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 I'm I'm not defined by that. I mean, that's not what people would have envisioned uh, from me, uh, but at that moment, in the full out, you know, run for that ball. It turns into a degree of eloquence um, that um, I'm, when I look at it now, 50 years later, I still, you know, I, I'm I still can't figure out. Wow, look, <laughs> look where I caught it! Look how let, full laid out on my back end I was. And this is, you know, this is game four. We're up two games to one. We're up one nothing. Um, in the ninth inning, they've got first and. Third, the Orioles, a good team, um, with uh, Brooks Robinson's the hitter, and and it is the absolute fulcrum of of that 
series. If if it gets by me, and it has uh, every chance in this world of getting by me, um, two runs score. We're down. We don't score in the bottom of the ninth. If the Orioles win that game, they even the series up at two, and we're going back to Baltimore. So um, it, it was – all of these are things I never thought about at the time because – you know, Joe Pignatano, the only surviving member of our coaching staff, once said to me, and I don't think he was kidding, he said, Swoboda, don't think you'll only hurt the team. <laughs> and, well, and I, qu- I quote Joe in my book, um, but I tried to tell this story from my perspective, uh, you know, with the anxieties and, you know, when you're in a slump early in the year and here's your team taking off and uh, you, you feel like you're standing down there you know, watching the Eagles fly because I'm not playing much because I'm not doing anything. And if you played for Gil Hodges, you know, he he was moved by a hot hand like all managers should be. But Gil was, a, you know, platooning at four positions, and I'm, and I'm not playing. And, and, you know, it wasn't until the last couple of months in the season when I got in there finally and did something – and got going in a way that Gil let me roll. You know, I was platooned with Art Shamsky in right field, and, uh, you know, Gil knew, just like in this age of analytics, you know, uber analytics, if you will, I believe managers still need to be moved by their gut. How's the guy going? Is he hot or is he not? If he's hot, that skews the percentages in a direction. If he's not... That skews the percentages in a direction, and that always has to be taken into account, and Gil had a great feel for that. Ron's got a book about the season. It's called Here's the Catch, and Ron, I want to end with this. Uh, I'm sure you've had other reunions before, but you know this is pretty special when you put the yeah. zero by it. Yeah. Uh, how, how many guys are hoping to come to this at the end of the month? I think we got 10 or 12, and, and um, you know, Tom Seaver can't be there uh, because he's struggling with dementia and is no longer traveling. Um, Kenny Boswell doesn't want to be there, and I understand why. He, um, he had some bad relations with the team and um, is, is not coming. Um, but almost, almost everybody else who's kicking – and, and, you know, Ed Cranepool just got a new kidney um, and doing great with it. Um, he got a perfect match. You know, he's been a diabetic for years and um, needed a new kidney and, and found one. And, and that's as miraculous as 1969 in my book because that is the here and now and a new lease on life for Eddie. And that, I just couldn't, I couldn't be more thrilled. Um, Buddy Harrelson has gone through the... Uh, the doorway of um, Alzheimer's, and and um, you know it it's taken some of his personality away, but I think he'll be there. Um, so so we're we're facing mortality. We won't have Tug McGraw. We won't have Don Clendenin, Don Cardwell, um, Ed Charles, um, Cal Kuntz, uh, and 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 of course Tug. You know. Um, uh, my one of my favorite guys all time, you know. Uh, so it's it's 
it's going to be neat to be with the guys we don't see that much of, but there'll be 10 or 12 of us for sure. All right. um, I believe Nolan Ryan just told him that he, um, he can't make it. So that, that hurts a little bit because that was the only World Series Nolan was ever in in a storied Hall of Fame career. Ron's book is called Here's the Catch. It's all about the, uh, the great season of 1969. Ron, thank you for sharing. And, yes, uh, and more. You know, that, the hint there is there's some other things that I think are good stories that I, were, I was telling for years and finally wrote them down. A crazy family of mine. You know, I had uncles that worked in the medical examiner's office in Baltimore, the morgue, and we used to visit them. And uh, there's, some, there's some interesting tales there. And I had a step-grandfather who was Chinese. He was a Chinese cook and a wonderful guy. So we, we just tell a few stories that, um, you know, that, that I thought were the highlights of, 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 um, of a life that I was uh, very, very fortunate in. Uh, so... All right, Ron, thank you, and enjoy. Thank you for having me. Yes, and enjoy when you guys get together. Thanks for your time. Yes, sir. Take All right, care. Ron Swoboda.